You're listening to the Between You and Me podcast, brought to you by JesusWire.com, with your host, Jessica Morris. Hey guys, welcome to a new season of Between You and Me. My name is Jess Morris and I am so happy to be back with another season. It's all thanks to you guys that we can have a podcast where we talk to our favorite musicians about faith and what hurts and heals and changes us. Last season was amazing. Thank you so much for joining me. We talked to everyone from Crowder to my friend Gustavo Guerrero about things like immigration and politics. We talked about cynicism and struggling and losing faith, creativity, you name it, we probably wrestled with it. And I love that. Longtime friends of the podcast will know that I started Between You and Me because I wanted to challenge my own cynicism about the church, about God's people and about the Christian music industry. After spending some time in Nashville as a journalist, I found that there were so many stories that were sort of like off the record. Stories that people couldn't tell in a normal press junket for an album because it would lose some sales, because it would change their image because it would upset their fans or because it was just so personal and I thought wouldn't it be cool to have a space where we can have open and honest and healing conversation and actually bring to light the things that so often get hidden. It's been really awesome to hear from so many of the artists that I've been talking to and you guys that these conversations have been constructive and have actually really helped us to actually talk about the stuff that hurts and the stuff that challenges us and maybe the stuff that pushes God out of the box that we were taught to put him in when we were kids. This season is going to be more of that stuff. It's going to be more pushing the boundaries, pushing the envelope, asking the tough questions and really getting to know the people behind the songs that have really changed us. This season, we have a huge variety of guests for you. We have contemporary artists who are releasing new music. We have people who have been part of the industry for years and have so much to say about how it has changed and grown. We have people from Australia, people from Canada and people from America, bands, solo singers, journalists. It is huge and I have been so excited to start sharing these stories with you guys. Today is no exception. I wanted to start this season with a bang and what better way to do that than by sharing an interview with the amazing Sleeping At Last. If you've heard of Sleeping At Last, you will know that it is the moniker for musician Ryan O'Neill. Now he's from Chicago and he releases songs under themes of Atlas, Year One and Year Two. His most iconic or perhaps you could even say his most well-known series at the moment is his Enneagram series where he works from the numbers type one to type nine, the personality theory of the Enneagram to actually create a song about each personality type to really try and get the innermost being of each of those personality types and express it through music. Now, fans of the Enneagram, people who follow Chris Hewitt's, people who listen to Ian Morgan Cron and read his work, they will know the Enneagram. If you haven't heard of it before, I'll give you a really brief summary as someone who loves it, but I would encourage you, if it interests you, to definitely check out more information from teachers on the Enneagram. Basically, it's a personality theory. Like I said, there's types one, type two, type three, type four, all the way to type nine. And the idea is that humanity or every person 
their core self is in one of those types. Now, obviously, every person is unique and we can't be divided strictly into those types. So there are nuances. But the core idea is that each of us sort of have a core belief that we were grown into as kids and has really shaped who we are today. Now, Christians have really attached themselves to the Enneagram and depending who you talk to, it actually stems from mist tradition and things like that. So it's been really great for people with spiritual practice. It's great in marriages. People are even using it now to create TV shows and movies. It's been part of conversation in my family for years. Uh, Ever since I was a teenager, I took the Enneagram quiz and I can tell you that I'm a type six which will mean nothing to you if you don't know the Enneagram. But if you do, I can tell you that a type six is known as a loyalist or a snick. Makes for a good journalist, I hope, because it means that I ask questions and think outside the box. Now, I talked to Ryan today and he mentions a bit about being a type nine. It's really cool that he's a type nine because type nines are the peacemakers. They don't like to cause rifts or trouble and they have a really holistic view of the world. From the conversation with Ryan, you'll see that that's actually given him the ability to create beautiful, I wouldn't even say monuments, but stories about people in each type as tributes to his friends and family who have different personalities. He's currently working on his song for Type 9, and it's his most challenging yet because, as he says, he's trying to find the redemption in his own story. If you're like me, it can be a lot easier to find redemption for other people than ourselves because it requires a whole lot more forgiveness and a really deep knowledge of the fact that God loves us for who we are. I don't want to spoil this conversation, so I'm not going to tell you any more, but I will say if you do love the Enneagram or are interested in it post this episode, definitely check out the show notes. I'm going to have all the information about Sleeping at Last tunes down there, as well as some great resources for the Enneagram, so you can check them out. In the meantime... Let me just give you a clear-cut, dry scenario of what this episode is going to look like, especially for our friends who haven't listened before. So, you get me saying hi, hello, done. Then, what we're going to do is actually cut to my favourite part, which I sort of like to call the artist bio. What I do is I pull together information about the artist, their past releases and where they're from. Sort of like what you would find if you went on their website and went to the about section. It gives you an idea of who they are, where they've been, what they're doing. Now, fans of the artist will know this stuff back the front, but people who are hearing them for the first time, it gives you a bit of context. So you can be like, oh, look, yeah, they're a platinum selling artist. Oh, look, they're based in this place. Oh, look, they grew up in the church here. From there, we cut straight to the interview with the person. And we cut the interview into probably about four different parts. It will focus on an album, an idea, a genre, There will generally be a portion that's about the Christian music industry or Christian music in general, depending if they acknowledge that they are a Christian music artist or if they just happen to be an artist with a faith. We will then cut at the end to the very last section, which I like to call quick questions. Quick questions are so much fun because you get the most honest answers and best answers from people about really super random things. Now, I always finish every episode by saying, what would you say to yourself if you could go back in time? Sometimes that's when they were a kid. Sometimes it's when they were first signed as a recording artist. Sometimes it's when they're like first picking up a guitar. It really depends on the artist and their situation, but you get really honest answers. Sometimes they're hilarious. Like if you guys remember season one, we had David Gunga from The Brilliance be like, uh, go and learn music. 
And I'm like, dude, you're brilliant. But you know, it goes without saying to like Sarah Reeves, who was like, you were God's chosen and God's princess. Things like that. I love that we get a medium of all sorts and you will see the same thing this season. It's really super powerful. I know I use that word a lot, but I really struggle to find a different way to articulate how powerful these stories have been for me. I feel like it's such a privilege to hear them and I'm so happy to share them with you. So that's really enough of me because we know that you are here to hear Sleeping at Last. (laughs) All right, here is the bio and let's go. Whether he sings about a planet, covers a song released by one of the top 40 bands last year, or is exploring the theory behind different personality types, Chicago-based musician Ryan O'Neill knows there is a story to tell in everything. Going by his moniker, Sleeping at Last, since he began in 1999, he has had song placements in too many TV advertisement and movie spots to count, and if the phrase as heard on was written about anyone, it's this multi-instrumentalist. Formed before the turn of the millennium, Sleeping at Last was comprised of O'Neill, his brother Chad, and friend Dan Perdue. Based in Wheaton, Illinois, the independent group released their debut album, Capture. And after opening for the Plain White Tees and Kill Hannah, they were spotted by Smashing Pumpkins member Billy Corgan and were signed to Interscope Records. While on Interscope, Sleeping at Last released the album Ghosts, and they continued to build their fan base by opening for acts like Switchfoot and Yellowcard. They also had their first of many TV spots on Grey's Anatomy and when deciding to go independent again, kept their momentum going. Keep No Score and Storyboards followed as albums, but it was in 2009 they began experimenting with EPs and side projects. Their yearbook project consisted of a separate EP for each month of the year and once other members moved on from the band, Ryan stayed as a solo act and retained this style. Today, he has released seven collections, consisting of 28 EPs and a whopping 40 singles. In the last two decades, Ryan has collaborated with everyone from Aqualung to Andrew Lloyd Webber and Rita Wilson. His songs have been featured in advertisements for Budweiser, Publix, Snapchat. They have played in President's movie, and he has even scored Charity Waters' 2016 movie, proving that nothing is off-limits for this ever-evolving artist. Best known for his song Turning Page, which appeared on Twilight's Breaking Dawn Part 1 soundtrack. Don't hold it against him, guys. It's a great soundtrack. Many songs from his covers, Volume 1 and 2, have been featured on Grey's Anatomy. And more recently, he has been featured on the Ellen DeGeneres show, Supergirl, Criminal Minds, and basically, if you watch a TV show, he's probably scored some of the soundtrack. Add in his extensive touring on the road, often with Dwight Love on her arms, in addition to his performing with Switchfoot, Christina Perry... And you know, 2019 seems like Sleeping at Last has managed to beautifully cross the line between a sacred and secular divide in a way where everyone can relate to his songs, whether it's a song about the fallen Mars rover or Bob Dylan's To Make You Feel My Love. Sleeping at Last's most recent project, Atlas, Year 2, sees O'Neill exploring the senses, emotions, planets and space phenomena and the personality theories of the Enneagram. I spoke to Ryan from his hometown of Chicago about what inspires his songwriting, why what is sacred can be secular, and what inspires him with his Enneagram project. Guys, this is a stellar interview. Please welcome to the podcast, Sleeping at Last. 
I followed your music for a little while and um, I interned with To Write Love on Her Arms. So, oh, awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. So I was like, sleeping at last. Yes, of course. And Ryan. Um, and then the Enneagram series happened and I love the Enneagram. So, oh, cool. yeah. So I was like, sweet. It's on. So thank you. This is great. Oh, that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm excited that you've actually heard of the Enneagram before. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because it, it was funny, like the, just the even the, the way things worked, because I announced it maybe like two and a half years ago. And pretty much at that point, like the majority of my friends and family were just like, I don't know what this is. This sounds very scary. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and now um, having nothing to do, of course, with my music, but um, it, it seems like it's just the timing of it has been really great where people are more familiar with it. So it's awesome that you were already you were already part of the original excitement over it <laughs> oh yeah that was great and um I actually wanted to ask first tell me how the series is going I know you just released eight and yeah. now you're about to drop nine in the coming months which is actually your number is that right yeah so it's uh, I'm a type nine and um it, it's interesting to basically sort out everyone else's baggage first <laughs> and then and then um i've kind of built a little bit or, or created a little bit of a monster at the end here because i'm like all right i'm so close to the finish line and then i'm like oh no i need to have like some some big transformation <laughs> not just talk about wouldn't it be beautiful if you know type whatever uh have this redemption story i've got to figure out my own redemption story and that that is very scary <laughs> I can appreciate that. Yes. But but it has been the most rewarding and uh it's the hardest project I've ever worked on and it's also the the most enjoyable and rewarding. So it's it's kind of it's kind of all things. Like I've I've really loved working on this. So I'm 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 it's bittersweet to to kind of uh be coming to the the, the finish line here. You would have talked about this in your own podcast, but for people who may have missed that, um can you tell me a little bit about why you started? the Enneagram series and actually creating a song for each type because that's no small task. People are very attached to their, their numbers. So <laughs> how, do you, how do you approach that? Yeah. So, uh, well, first of all, the Enneagram belongs to, like the, my, my series of songs belongs to like this, this overarching kind of concept project that I've been working on. So it's called Atlas uh, and it's going to be three parts. And so Atlas one um, was basically the origins of all things. So I kind of look at that as like the past and then um, Atlas two, which is where the Enneagram songs belong. Um, that's sort of uh, based all, all, all the themes that I explored on there are around involuntary human development. So it's the present. It's what we, what's what we were given it's the things that we're born with and um when i when i became familiar with the enneagram it just kind of clicked as i was kind of uh, assembling the themes and the concepts for this this overarching project uh that the enneagram is it's kind of this beautiful middle space of uh, some people in uh that that think through the enneagram they believe that it's based on uh, some version of, of your childhood wound or um, just things that happen as you're growing up. And then that's how you found your dominant type. Um, other people, and this happens to be me, believe that that, that wiring is already inside you before you're born. Um, and so I kind of thought that that's a, that's a beautiful way to um, include the Enneagram in this, this, uh, this project that talks about the involuntary human development. And then part three of Atlas will be voluntary human development. So kind of the future orientation where it's what we do with all of these things it's what we do once we know what our enneagram types are it's what we do with our faith it's what we do with our um our morality you know so it's um yeah it's a it's a long form project that's taken place over many many years and will will be up probably a few more years in in the future um so it's it's definitely a a, a 
you know, a, a, a time consuming project, but I, I really, I've, I've gravitated towards the, the kind of working in that way and, and approaching every song kind of on its own to stand alone, but also fit into this longer, long form project. When you're approaching a number, like creating a song about, I suppose, the childhood wounds or like the story yeah. or the innermost belief of someone, how, how do you grapple with that and sort of put it into words and sound? Well, I definitely, I, I, I didn't anticipate it properly before I started because <laughs> when I announced that I was going to write these songs for the Enneagram, like I said, it kind of fits into this overall thematic uh, story that I'm trying to tell in this project. And then when I actually sat down to write the first song, which is type one, I, I quickly realized that there's a lot of weight people, people that care about the Enneagram. Um, I'm writing a song that uh, like people want it to be right. <laughs> they want to, they want to feel understood. They want to feel uh, like I did my due diligence. So um, that in, in inspired me to do a lot of research before I wrote any of these songs and uh, which meant that it took a little longer than I typically take to, to write songs, but it also meant that I was able to reach in a little bit deeper and, and really try to uh, figure out um, what, what the beauty and the, um, the, the weaknesses and strengths of each type were and to be able to kind of, kind of write that. But it, I, I, I vastly underestimated the pressure of writing a, a song that for like a, you know, one ninth of the population. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, one of the things I love about each of the songs that you're doing at the moment with the Enneagram is that you find musicians and your friends and you get them to essentially like, perform with you or to record like sound bites and yeah. fingerprints and send them to you how do you go about finding those friends because while lots of people like share the enneagram type some you sort of like find out and you're like oh okay cool like what's yeah. the process there so I, I I was really excited. Like before before I started writing those songs, I was like, all right, this would be really fun. It's probably breaking some Enneagram rules to go like send an email out to all of my friends and family being like, hey, guys, what's your type? <laughs> and, and then put them in a category. I uh, have like a folder on my computer that's just like every every person that I either I think is a type, a specific type or <laughs> that wrote back and said, hey, I'm a I'm a type eight or I'm a whatever. Um, so I, I, I was I was breaking some rules by by completely, you know, keeping track and keeping a list <laughs> but um it's really fun because basically the, the way i looked at it was there there will never be an opportunity in my music um that i'll be able to include uh, everyone that i know and love and so this was kind of a fun way if you're a musician um then i invited uh, some of my musician friends and family to to be like my guest band so other than me uh, every song in the project uh i think pretty much every one of them has uh, my, my guest band is made up of, of people that identify as the type that the song is about um, and then for folks that, that weren't, uh, that aren't necessarily musically inclined, um, I invited them to send like just this little tiny recording on their iPhone, uh, it can be of literally anything. It could be the shortest thing in the world or the longest thing or 10 sounds or one, whatever. Um, and then I kind of weave those into the fabric of the song and, uh, uh, and kind of, it, it, to me, it's like uh, putting like, this little, this little like Easter egg or this, this kind of bearing a, a flag that represents the people that I know and love in each of these songs. Yeah, that's beautiful. So knowing that you've dived into each type and you've really shared this with the people closest to you and had them contribute, how has the project helped you better understand the people that you do life with and do relationships with? 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's been, that's been my favorite part of this is that I think, so when I get excited about something, I will, I will do a bunch of research and then I will move on to whatever the next thing that I'm excited about. But the, this project and having to write from the perspective of each type has really, it's given me more focus and more um, time to really dive in as, as much as I possibly can. So that I think has, has turned into um, just knowing and, and loving my friends and family a little, uh, understanding them a little bit better. And hopefully uh, in my attempts to, <laughs> uh, hopefully to be more empathetic towards them and, and how difficult certain things might be for them. But I've had so many different realizations with, uh, with mistakes that I've made. I'm like, oh my gosh, that, that, that mean thing I did was so much meaner to that person because of their type <laughs> than, <laughs> than to, to anybody else. It, I should back up and say, I, I, I don't try to do a lot of mean things, <laughs> but, but mistakes. This is like the best type, like a typical type nine. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I right. love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I, I usually every day I wake up and I try to hurt somebody's feelings. No. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Yeah. So I think it's helped me. Uh, it It's, I think it, I, I hope so. I hope that at the end of this, it will, I will be able to look back and be like, yes, now I know how to love my, my friends and family better than I did before. And I wrote the, <laughs> the songs i remember the minute was like a switch was flipped was just a kid who grew up strong enough to pick this armor up and suddenly fit god that was so long ago long ago long ago I was little, I was weak and perfectly naive And I grew up too quick Now you won't see all that I have to lose And all I've lost in the fight to protect it I won't let you in I swear never again I can't afford, no, I refuse to be how are you learning to love yourself better knowing that you're still in the process of forming nine? Oh my gosh that is a really hard question and honestly um this is probably sounds more sad than i want it to um but as i'm because i'm kind of knee deep in in researching the type nine right now and i think i'm realizing that like oh i kind of i kind of struggle with seeing the redemption in myself. So it's much easier for me to look at the other eight types and to see like, wow, no, these are their strengths. These are the the things that make them um, brilliant. And uh, for the type nine, I have, I have all sorts of friends that are type nine. So I'm kind of focusing on them <laughs> more yeah. than myself. Um, but it's really hard for me to um, even uh, speak up about like what I think is uh, redemptive about myself that sounds so much sadder than i mean it um i've said this before that as i'm writing each of these songs there's there's a moment in my research where my heart kind of breaks for the type where i'm like oh my gosh that that would be so hard to to carry that weight um whatever type i'm writing about and it, that I think that's going to be harder to come by for my own for my own type. Like what what breaks the heart of a type nine <laughs> is is uh, um, so I'm still figuring that out. That'll either mean that this song will come together much quicker than uh, the other songs because uh, the, the criteria is is really just about does this resonate with me specifically um, or it will be much harder because I am a type nine and I like to uh, avoid things. <laughs>
I love type nines. They're just beautiful. It's great. I'm a a type six. So when you were like, uh, I'm struggling to find redemption in like my own thing, I was like, I'm just full of self-doubt all the time. So you're good to go. Like, you'll be fine. I do have that. That's my my six uh, disintegration, I think. (laughs) (laughs) We will get there, I promise. I I completely, completely feel you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wanted to sort of stretch a bit wider and you mentioned Atlas for listening to your music, you don't seem to fit any one genre. You just, from what oh, I thanks. can tell, you literally create music that it nearly feels like it's just like a reflection of your heart and your mind and sort of something that you're creating. Oh, um, that's so kind. Thank you. I, I'm glad it's a compliment because I can't. It is. I can't I, I'm you, taking it that way. Even if I, know, <laughs> I know it is. It is. It absolutely is. Because I, I, I struggle to find any other music like it, mainly because I think you choose for lack of a better term, really obscure topics that other people generally miss. Um, So whether it's like the Enneagram or whether it's things in space or like the eclipse, like (laughs) I I told my friends um, about talking with you and she was like, you have to ask him about like this whole asteroid thing that happened. And I was like, what? I I missed that one. But (laughs) um, why do you choose those topics? Like how do they come across your train of thought and why do you chase them? I think that I, I have a, there's, a, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed in that I get to write about whatever I'm really excited about. And I, I, uh, I, I try, I think since I was probably 13 or 14 years old, beginning to write songs, I, I just had a real specific, um, plan set out where I'm like, I don't want to write about anything that I don't a hundred percent mean. And I don't want to write, I don't want to force myself to write about anything other than the stuff that I'm just really feeling or resonating with. And, um, so I've just kind of kept on that path and I, I, uh, I love space. <laughs> I really yes. do. Um, and I fell in love with the Enneagram and, um, this, this overall, uh, Atlas concept of kind of telling the story about, you know, the, the origins of all things through, uh, you know, the, the human experience and all that kind of stuff. It's just, that kind of stuff is, um, feels a little bit like, like church to me learning about those things. And, um, so I feel, I just feel really lucky that I get to, I, I don't have anybody telling me, Hey, don't write about the, you know, the Cassini crash and <laughs> into space, um, or into, into Saturn. Uh, I, if, if I'm excited about it, I just get to sit down and, and, um, try to be inspired and um, and and create something around it. So I, it's a it's a lot of fun. I really I I think it helps me. Um, I mean, I love music anyway. So in any capacity, I think I would be enjoying the work. But it, I think it adds some depth. It makes coming to work every day just really really fun. You mentioned that it's like church to you. Can you explain that to me? I, I sort of part of me yeah. gets it, and I love the I love the callback. But can you tell me? Yeah, for sure. So I'm I'm a little bit strange in that um, I know I know a lot of friends of mine that will will have this experience in a lot of other parts of their life. But when they when you have like this this spiritual or religious experience, um, I have that pretty frequently when I watch like nature documentaries or when I'm in nature um, I and learning about these things, I think it gives me that feeling. It kind of opens up my mind to um, recognizing the complexity of all things and uh, recognizing just the, the, the beautiful detail that is in everything. So for me that that's, I don't know that it feels like a form of worship to learn about um, space. Like it, it, I feel like the, the, the bigger my perspective can be and the, the smaller, um, the, the smaller I become, the, the, 
the more I recognize like, oh, God is really big. And that that's, yeah, that just feels, it, it's the it's the closest thing to opening up my heart in that way that uh, that feels like a, like a, a, a spiritual experience. And some people that's going to church and some people that's going um, and, and listening to music and um, some people that's that's reading. And uh, for some reason, it's it really is tied uh, for me to the, all of the David Attenborough documentaries, the yes. like Planet Earth yeah. and Blue Planet. And um, those things are since I was little have always just been like like they they it's more than just being like, wow, that's really beautiful. It, it just it changes my my perspective in in such a way that feels that feels important. There is so much to tell you There is so much to see We will show you the oceans And everything in between What a privilege to love you To teach you all that we know To watch you build a collection of dreams purpose behind your art and when I say that Mm. I'm like I know for so many people who are creatives it's just part of who they are and so like they create because they love it but um if if someone was to ask you like what's the mission behind what you do what would you say oh gosh uh well there's there's the the real probably more selfish answer which is I really do just love it and I I do it if nobody listened to my music, I'd still be doing it because I, it's a form of journaling for me. It's a form of processing. It's a form of therapy. It's a, you know, everything I think clearer when I, when I'm writing music than I do in any other part of my life. So it is, it is essentially for me, but I I do see that there's, there's such a, there's such a magic to music and to art in general that I think can reach people. My mom always said this, that like music can reach people um, in a, when they're in a place that nothing else is allowed to reach them. And I feel like that's a, that's, a, that's super true. And um, I've had that experience with, with music and um, with other people's music and how like hearing, hearing something in that format feels, um, I don't know, it just, there's, there's something really special. It's like a intangible hope. So I, I feel like that's kind of what I'm aiming at with all my music is, and it, it was never really a conscious thing. I never uh, sat down and thought I would like to, write hopeful songs. Um, it just, it, it happens naturally. So even when I'm writing about things that aren't necessarily hopeful, like I wrote a song called Sorrow, uh, based on all the, I wrote a song for each of the, the, the basic human emotions. And so when I wrote Sorrow, somehow even hope comes through in, in that song when it should be, you know, more of a, an assessment of things that are, you know, grief worthy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, hope is definitely, uh, that has become, uh, the thing that I, that I want to convey through my music the most. 
I wanted to ask a little bit about Christian music, not because you're part of that industry, um, but just because of your faith and you were a musician. So many of the musicians I talk to have sort of differing opinions on how they share their faith in music. Yeah. Some do it really intently, like I'm writing these words and it's a thing. Other people, like I was talking to someone the other day, they're like, if I write good music, then God's just going to be part of that. Yeah. Where would you find your faith in music? Like how is that expressed for you? Yeah, for sure. So uh, oddly enough, when I was writing songs at the very beginning, so uh, like I said, I think 13 or 14 years old is when I got my first guitar and um, pretty quickly was like, all right, I want to write something. And um, I, I knew right away at that point that I never wanted to force God into my music and I never wanted to force my faith and, and, and my faith in God out of my music. So I've just let it be an, a really natural part of, uh, of my writing process, because if, if the goal for me is to write as authentically as I possibly can, and to be truly, um, to try to attempt to always be honest with myself and my music, um, I, I felt like that was a, a necessary rule to kind of, um, to be able to express my faith. So i I never force it out and I never, um, force it in. Yeah. I like that rule. It sounds really healthy too. I think it is. And I actually, I feel like um, it applies to pretty much everything. Like I'm, uh, even though I'm writing these thematic songs, I'm again, like it has to be true. Like I have to, I have to be able to, um, and I, I know the difference when I'm writing something that like, okay, that's a, that lyric fits. It doesn't mean the thing that I want to say, but it fits. Like I, I, I know uh, like there's a part of me that just like, won't let that go. So I will rewrite it every time. And um, same thing with full songs. Like there's times where I, where I know that like, okay, that in, in terms of craft, like that song is totally acceptable, but I don't want to just write um, decent songs. I would like to write songs that mean something to me and that I have a, 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 a that I will be proud of as a, as a, you know, an old, old man, if I, if I get there. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about your musical journey? You've, you've talked a little bit about picking up a guitar, like when you were 13, 14, can you tell me how you fell in love with music and and sort of how that became sleeping at last and to where you are today. Yeah, for sure. So um, I got my first CD <laughs> when I was probably, uh, I don't know, eight years old. And um, it was the Lion King soundtrack. Oh, and it yes. It was very, very exciting. Solid and, CD, um, yeah. I just, I, something about that, not only having your first CD and feeling very proud of how, how grown up you felt, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but also like I just noticed that from that moment, uh, the ballad on that song or on that, record the emotional moments of the of that music was always my favorite and then you know my next my next album that I bought and the you know every album after that I would always gravitate towards the 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 super sad or emotional ballad on the album like every time and so I think at a certain point when once I got my guitar at, at 13 or uh, whatever age I was uh, I knew that that's the kind of music that I wanted to write I also at that age wanted to look cool and sound cool so I was also trying to be a little more rock and roll than I probably knew how to be <laughs> but but I always wanted to write music that made like the hair on my arm stand up that was like the I was so blown away as a kid and still am today that that's something that just airwaves can um hearing a certain combination of notes and melody could give your body like a physical reaction um so i've i've kind of that's been like the the 
just the kind of music that I love and the kind of music that I hope to make. Pretty much, like I said, I, I started writing songs essentially right after I got my guitar and then um, fell in love with the piano a couple of years later. And basically out of necessity, I would uh, I, I had a couple local bands and we, we needed a singer. So um, I didn't have any interest in singing and didn't feel confident with my voice, but nobody else was really excited to do it. So, um, so I tried and then um, kind of from that point on, uh, kind of fell in love with the entire the entire element of not only writing the songs but performing them and um uh so that that led to a couple other local bands and then eventually the name sleeping at last just kind of made sense to me um and uh, this is a an, another emphasis on um more you know calm and sleepier music <laughs> so um so from that point on i just have been kind of assembling my my audio journal <laughs> with every every release that I release um every song that I put out every album that I put out and uh uh that's that's essentially it. and so when I was about 16 or 17 years old um, I can never remember the exact age that's why <laughs> that's yeah, why I give a uh, that's why I cast a wide net <laughs> when I was between 10 and 35 <laughs> <laughs> yes um I, I I started playing a lot of different um Chicago clubs where I'm from and uh that ended up sparking uh, the attention of Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins, who was kind enough to take this, you know, me and uh, just a total teenager under his wing and uh, told a bunch of major labels about the music. And uh, that led to signing to Interscope Records. And so I put out my first album, my first major label album, um, which was called Ghosts. And I think that was 2003. And so from that point on, um, I knew that I, I had already well was completely confident in the fact that I wanted to try to make music for a living for my life. That's what I wanted to spend my life doing, whether or not it worked or not, um, was kind of beside the point. I just, I just needed to make music all the time. And so, um, so yeah, from that point on, I've just been, uh, writing and recording all the time. <laughs> Where there's light, a shadow. The cause and effect When life interferes The same applies To goodness and grief For in our great sorrow We learn what joy means Can you tell me a little bit about the Monica. Does it help you to separate your personal and professional life, or are they sort of one and the same for you? They kind of are one and the same. I, honestly, there's, and probably I will explore some of this as I learn about the Type Nine. Um, I've I've noticed that, like, so my identity is very much a part of sleeping at last. Like if I didn't have my music, I, I honestly don't know if I would know who I am. <laughs> so, um, and that's probably a little bit of a problem, uh, because I want to, I, I shouldn't need a, a thing to, to feel like I'm, I have any value. Um, so I'm, I'm working through that, but, um, but yeah, it, it it's weird having because uh, it's just it's a solo project, and I know, I know that it is kind of odd to uh, to have a band name. <laughs> it works, yeah. and uh, yeah, at a certain point, and because it started so uh, so long ago, and I've um, there hasn't been like a a pivotal shift in like okay, now I'm going to write these kinds of songs. It's always the the goal has always been to write sincere music that 
is a part of me. So changing the name at any point just didn't make sense. I was just kind of like, well, I'm continuing on (laughs) writing, writing my audio journal. So that's what it's called. It's called Sleeping at Last. Yeah. So what does it mean for you to be successful? And that can, it could be professionally, it could be personally. That's a great question. Um, there's the unhealthy part of that, which is opportunities and, and, you know, getting cool opportunities to make music for different TV shows and movies and stuff that that's always been something that I was really excited about. And I I don't think that that's necessarily wrong to consider that as part of success, but, um, I, I knew that that was always a little bit of a mile marker for me. Uh, and, but I think once I, if I'm being really honest, I don't think that any of that has anything to do with success. I think it's just honestly being content with uh, the thing that you feel called to do. And for me, that's music. And uh, um, I I consider that uh, a gift more than a success. <laughs> yeah. How do you balance your music, which I mean, you, I presume you have like an in-home studio and stuff. Yeah, I do. So I do, I record and produce everything myself. So everything is at home and I've got two little kids and uh, my wife, Kate. And so, um, it is a, it is a balancing act. (laughs) Yes, I can imagine. Uh, Cause my question was literally like, how does everything marry together? How do you make the music and also be a dad and, and be a husband's? Yeah, you know, I'm still figuring it out. I'm, I, I, and I, I, I do think that the first couple of years of being a dad, uh, I think I was realizing, I'm like, oh my gosh, am I? How am I going to do this? Am I? I don't know how to, how to do both well. And then I think I realized <laughs> along the way that, oh, it's not really about like you don't get to the point of doing it well. You just like it's like every day it's a constant. Um, you just try to do a little better, you know. Yeah. So it's it's not it isn't a destination really. It's it's just a the, a constant balance that you're, you know. Some weeks it requires more emphasis on uh, on on music, and other weeks it requires more emphasis on on the kiddos. And what's funny too is like that seems so linear, and it's actually not because in that it, you know in a week that is definitely needs to be really focused on getting a, a deadline hit or finishing something. Um, uh, that's usually when uh, the poll of like, nope, like, like I have a rule that anytime the, my girls and I, I'm, I don't always follow it. So I don't want to pat myself on the back too much. Um, but anytime my girls ask if I want to color or play with them in the middle of like a work day, I, I will at least for five minutes, stop what I'm doing and, and try to try to focus on that. Cause I never want them to resent that. I, um, I just was always saying no, you know, because I have to work on whatever it is. And there's a massive privilege and a gift from working at home and being a part of their world in that way. And on such a day-to-day basis that I, that I feel really grateful for. So I'm trying to, um, trying to show up for that and, and, um, appreciate what's, what's, what's really a a beautiful thing about that. I appreciate, um, like the wrestling with that constantly. I, I'm not a parent yet, but um, I'm just like, I appreciate that it's something that it's, it's a daily task. Yeah, it really, and what's funny too, and this is this is definitely like a nine thing, uh, is I, I think that there's something hardwired into me and this is like the unhealthy part of myself that I want everything to be as easy as possible. And um, I think that realizing that like maybe part of that redemption for the type nine is, is doing and is like mobilizing your body and just doing the hard thing. (laughs) I think that that's, that's, that's been helping me to, uh, to, to keep up with that constant wrestle wrestling match, I guess. When your girls grow up, 
um, and they hear your music, what do you want them? What do you want them to feel? Oh, that's a really beautiful question. Um, well, I have several songs that um, not only include sounds of theirs that they've made and sing on <laughs> and other things, um, but I, I do have some songs about them. So I would hope that they will they will hear my love for them in, in the music always. And then for the rest of the the music that I make, I hope that they. I don't know. It's weird. I want, I want them to, I hopefully they will have an understanding of who I am without the music. And then I also hope that somehow the music maybe uh, adds a little color to who they know me to be. But I've never thought about that question. That's a really great question. And I will probably replay that in my mind and have 20 new answers down the road. <laughs> this is your kingdom. This is your crown. This is your story. This is your moment, don't look down You're ready, born ready And all you gotta do is put one foot in front of do at the end of every interview is just throw a few random questions at the musician I'm talking to and they're generally like questions that don't seem to fit anywhere so it's sort of like if like a fan came up to you they may ask this <laughs> that's perfect that's actually how I answer all of the questions even if they are super on theme and topic I usually am going so far random there's a lot of uh, tangents in my answers so <laughs> this will be perfect <laughs> <laughs> okay first what has been your most surprising song placement so far? Oh, um, I would say, um, I think the Budweiser Super Bowl commercial was the was probably the most surprising. Just because uh, it's funny, I I had actually been whining, and I shouldn't probably admit this to anybody, but um, <laughs> like a month before that opportunity happened, um, I had some like. I don't think my music's ever going to be used in a commercial. And that's why I wonder why that is. Like I was like whining about like, Oh, I've never had a commercial before. And then I, <laughs> I got that. Um, so that was the most surprising. Cause I, it, it came on the heels of my complaining. <laughs> Not that I felt like I deserved it, but I just thought I'm like, huh, that's a, that's a part or that's a part of the world that nobody's using my music in advertisements. <laughs> and there you go. Budweiser. Was just there like, you yeah, go. We need yeah. It. Yeah, Which perfect. is extra funny. Cause I don't drink. So it was kind of, I'm like oh cool i love puppies and horses <laughs> <laughs> oh yes so that true. was that was what probably the most fun and um surprising yeah number two do you have any plans to write a song for the mars rover that sadly passed away you mean opportunity yes i actually already did oh my gosh and i can't believe i missed it not, well, okay, so it is technically out, but it's um, it's only on SoundCloud. And the reason for that, so I finished it um, probably about a week or so ago, and I put it out only on SoundCloud um, just to give my new song 8 a little breather on all of the other um, platforms. The official release where it is on Spotify, Apple Music, and all that sort of thing will be on March 8th. Brilliant. I can't wait. Thank you. I was thinking about it, and I was like, why isn't there a song? And, of course, there's a song. <laughs> I should have known. 
Uh, I'm glad you did because usually like, and this has been a funny part of that project because that project is called astronomy. And so um, I don't really tell anybody which like events in, in space that I'm going to write about, but it's all based on, you know, um, observable events and discoveries in space in the observable universe. So um, I've been doing it for about a year and they just are kind of these surprise pieces of instrumental music that come out throughout the year, according, you know, uh, right alongside the, these different uh, kind of cool things happening in space and with, with space travel and all that kind of stuff. I have not aced every single one of them in that, like, there's like a, like I'm, I'm picking and choosing and for opportunity, I had decided not to write something. And then all of a sudden I just, I started reading a little bit more about it. I'm like, Oh man, all right, I have to. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was a, a few days later than the announcement of uh, mission complete, but, um, but I missed a couple, like there was the, um, I think it was the super, uh, there was a moon that was like the, the last time it'll be this way for the next 20 years or whatever. Um, and I totally missed that one. Cause I'm like, I've already done the eclipse and the lunar eclipse and whatever. Sometimes people don't pay super close attention to certain events and <laughs> in space. And so, um, I just, I had totally guessed wrong. I'm like, yeah, nobody's going to care about that. It's just, you know, the moon being awesome. The moon's awesome all the time. <laughs> and then I, <laughs> I greatly regretted not writing the song for that. So, um, so now I'm kind of, now I'm a little bit more cautious. I'm like, all right, opportunity done uh, i appreciate it i saw the, like the footage on tv and i was like oh gosh this poor little it's pretty much just like wally yeah it is so much like wally that's what's so funny about it because like um even the news of cassini uh when they when basically they uh it was at the end of its life and they they crashed it into the planet saturn like that's a pretty cool story and that i don't feel like that got quite as much um like news about it or opportunity i think it's literally because it's such a cute little rover <laughs> like oh, I, oh yeah I feel absolutely. like i feel like wally is responsible for why people really <laughs> cared about this this cool robot <laughs> we owe so much to disney it's true <laughs> i'm for it i'm a huge disney fan <laughs> last question if you could go back in time to little Ryan who had just got his first CD and it was Lion King <laughs> and you're like, you're listening to like the opening chords and, and you're getting goosebumps. Um, what would you say to yourself? Oh my goodness. Um, I would say, Hmm. Every answer I'm thinking of is just so cheesy. <laughs> Oh gosh, it's so cliche, but I would say to, uh, don't doubt yourself is probably what I would tell, tell myself. And I don't think that, well, no, I I've carried doubt with me for all sorts of different parts of my life. And I think that, I think that doubt can actually be a really healthy part of writing and art and, um, and expressing yourself. Uh, to, I feel like it means that you care. Um, to be concerned or to be uh, worried about how something is perceived. But I, I think it would it would be a relief to know at that point in my life, as I'm pursuing trying to write music that will, um, you know, evoke that same feeling that I was experiencing with the <laughs> with the Lion King, that just just to keep going and, and to don't worry about doubt too much. I want to believe, no, I choose to believe that I was made to be calm. Sanctuary, fear won't go but I can keep it at These invisible walls just might keep us safe with a vigilant heart. I'll push into the dark. 
conversation with Ryan I felt like we clicked straight away and because of that you heard a lot of laughter but we also got to chat about so many um, deeper things that don't always come up in interviews so it was very cool if you really enjoyed today's interview and you want to hear more I have a surprise for you I'm so excited this Wednesday American time I am dropping a bonus episode for you called rewinds It's something I'm doing especially for season two, where I grab snippets from our interviews that couldn't be played because of time limits, and I play them for you. So if you want to hear more from Sleeping at Last, make sure that you hit subscribe now on iTunes and Spotify or whatever your podcast platform is, because you will find a fresh new episode this Wednesday, just so that you can hear more of the beautiful tones of Sleeping at Last. You guys know how much I love putting together the playlist for every episode. And so what I'm going to do on Rewind is actually go through every song that I place in an episode and tell you why I put it there. It will also give me a chance to tell you more about what the interview meant to me so that we can make these episodes a little bit tighter, you can enjoy them more, and if you want more info, then you have the chance to go and find it on Wednesday. Now, today is not just a special day because the debut episode of Between You and Me Season 2 is out. It is also the day that Sleeping At Last song for Mars Rover is out. You can hear the song Opportunity about NASA's poor little rover who was so much like Wally and recently when everything went dark and it died. So sad, guys, but... We have music out of it to celebrate this beautiful little robot. So you can be sure to check that out everywhere. It's been on SoundCloud for the last week, but now you can find it on Spotify and other places too, which is pretty rad. A reminder that you can also get all of Atlas Year 1 and Year 2 now on iTunes and Spotify. If you would like to hear the Enneagram series, in particular the song 8, which was just released a few weeks ago and we played at the start of the episode, that is also available. I love how it starts so abruptly. Such an 8 thing. Anyway, I'll talk more about that later. If you would like any more information on Sleeping at Last, the songs we played, or the Enneagram, please check out the show notes. You can follow Ryan or Sleeping at Last on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter by literally just searching at Sleeping at Last super easy he keeps you up to date on all the latest episodes of his podcast on his new music and on his really cute art projects with his daughters it's actually adorable so you know make sure you check it out thank you for tuning in to this new episode and new season of between you and me i love it i love doing this i'm so glad we're back you can be sure to connect with me online at Between You Me Pod. You can also find us on the web at betweenyouandmepod.com where you'll find all our season one episodes and some more details about who I am, about what we do and why we started it. Please connect with me. I am on Instagram at jessicamorris47. I'd love to hear from you. It's fun. In the meantime, hang in there, guys. It's a good week because we have new music, there's hope in the air, and the Jonas Brothers are back together. I had to add that in. (laughs) Okay, guys, I'll see you Wednesday. How nice it'd be If we could try everything 
I'm serious Let's make a list And just begin What about danger? So what? What about risk? Let's climb this mountain Before we cross that bridge Cause I'm restless I'm For listening to the Between You and Me podcast, stay connected by visiting www.betweenyouandmepod.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. For more Christian news, reviews, and interviews, get plugged in to JesusWire.com.